Are we ready for a message? Come on, let me pray this one in. Father, we commit this moment to you. I just pray that you could use someone like me to stir and challenge and encourage brilliant people like these. Have your way. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Move amongst us. Speak to hearts. Touch hearts. Change thought processes. And let us leave this place a little bit more like Jesus than the way we came in. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. I'm going to do a couple of sessions, two preaches, which I have called heart surgery. Heart surgery. I, th- I felt prompted with this. Now, in our church, there are several medical professionals, some very high-ranking med- medical professionals, so I'm going to be very vague on the uh, concept of stuff and uh, not look at the medical professionals as I go. Heart issues is common in our society, in the natural. Lots of people have heart issues. And in the extreme, it leads to a surgery situation. You'll all be familiar with that. You know, um, blood vessels harden, calcify, and blood flow slows down, meaning the heart has to work harder. It puts it under strain and then puts life in danger. Can I suggest, both in the physical and the spiritual, hardness of heart is destroying lives? Hardness of heart is destroying lives. It shocked me, actually. When I started researching to give these messages and looking up verses around this kind of stuff, how many Bible verses are linked to heart? It's incredible. You you do it yourself. You Google heart issues in the Bible, and there's streams and streams and streams of it. Where I sit is if the Bible says something once, it's really important and worth taking note of. If it says it twice... God is saying, come on, Barry, hear me now. I've said it twice. If he's saying it multiple times, get a hold of it, church. And he talks time and time and time and time and time and time and time again about the conditions of our heart. So I think it's important that we might have a look at that. And I want to encourage you not to think of all the other people in your world about what this means to them, but what does it mean to you? God, what are you saying to me through this message? Because we've all got stuff going on, all of us. Have a look here in in Mark chapter... Well, you can't. If you've got your Bible up, you can. Mark Normally it would come on the screen. Mark chapter 8 and verse 17, it says this. And Jesus speaking with his disciples. Jesus was aware of it and said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? So here we find Jesus trying to teach a principle to his disciples and they're just not getting it. Jesus' go-to reason for that is their hearts are hard. You're so fixed in your ways, you're so hard in your thinking that you can't grab a new concept. You have a hard heart. That's how Jesus refers to that. So it was important. It's where he went to first. It begs the questions. How much revelation? How much life? How many opportunities are me and you missing because of the condition of our hearts? And we are missing out on great life opportunities. So I want to ask you today, and I want to ask God to use me to stimulate some thought processes in you and to bring some challenge so that we can lead this place with healthier hearts. Is there an amen in the room? Because we don't want to be missing out on opportunities anymore. We want to be living fuller lives. Yeah? I want to look at three biblical characters, and you know, the Bible is alive. You can read the same passage three times and get three different things out of the Bible. You know that, don't you? So I want to look at these three characters, and you'll probably be familiar with them all, but I want to look it through the lens of what's going on in their heart. Yeah? 
So think to yourself about the woman at the well. Here's the story. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. Jesus goes well out of his way to meet this woman who is at a well drawing water. It is in the heat of the day. We know this. So she is on her own. All the other people who would normally draw water either go at the beginning of the day when it's cooler or the end of the day when it's cooler. But she's there on her own in the heat of the day. And Jesus speaks with her. He engages her. And it becomes clear that she's had multiple husbands and the guy she is sharing her life with right now isn't her husband. And what does that say about her heart? She's living isolated. She's been shunned by the village. She doesn't want to be around them. When everyone else is doing the water collecting at the obvious times when it's cool, she's not. She's isolated. Why is she? Why? Why? Well, it doesn't say, but you know people and I know people. What's going on here? Can I suggest that the fact she's reaching out to so many men is a response to things that have happened to her? Maybe she's had some trauma in her life. Maybe she's had some abuse. Maybe she lacks male affirmation. You see it around you. Why would it have been different? But her response to whatever went on was to reach out and cling to multiple men. She started getting a reputation for the homewrecker. People were shunning her and moving away. We don't want anything to do with her. I'm sure she would have been called things like tramp, harlot. These kind of words would have been around her. What's that doing to her? In her heart, how does she view herself? How does she view people? How does she view the situation? So here she is, isolated on her own, struggling. And Jesus steps in. And what does Jesus do? Jesus treats her as the loving father. He doesn't treat her how everyone else has treated her. She is shocked he's even talking to her. But he reads her story to her and she's moved. And out the outworking of that, as she goes back to the very people who have shunned her and said, you've got to meet this man. He's spoken into my life. Thing, he's amazing. And Jesus steps into the situation. And what happens? Relationship forms again. She's acceptable again. She has some hope in her heart again. You see, she was hard-hearted and viewing her life all on her own. But an encounter with Jesus softened something on the inside of her and it led to relationship and hope. Can you see it? When you look at that story through the lens of a hard heart, it shifts something in the same story you've read hundreds of times, I'm sure. What is going on in people's hearts? What about Saul, who becomes the great apostle Paul? You see, we know of Saul that he's a well-educated man. He's familiar with the scriptures. He's been given power and authority. He's up there with all of his peers. And we find him in Acts 7, where we see Stephen being stoned. And it says, and there standing alongside was Saul. Basically, Saul's not throwing the stones, but he's condoning it. He's holding the coats, if you will, you know. I'm not going to throw anything, but I'll stand over here. Go on, guys. What is this saying about the condition of Saul's heart? Could a soft-hearted person preside over the murder of another human being? I don't think so. So his heart has to be hard. Why? Well, Stephen is preaching against and bringing a different revelation to the one he's always had. 
And surely that can't be right. And he's so hard-hearted, rather than lean in and listen and have a revelation, he has the man killed. What is going on there? You see, he wants the right standing with his peers. He's into his career. He has his traditions. He knows what's right, what's right, what's right. And when someone else challenges it, there's, no, there's nothing to get through. My heart is hard to your stance. No. And he smiles and holds the coats and affirms the stoning of this guy who brought a different perspective. What's going on in his heart? But we know, don't we? That he's on his horse and he has an encounter with Jesus. Funny how every time Jesus steps in, something different happens. He gets knocked off his horse. And Jesus speaks to him in an audible voice and says, why do you persecute me? And Saul's like, what, 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 what? And over the period of time, the Holy Spirit works in Paul, in Saul, so much so that they change his name. What's it saying about his heart? He was once this hard-hearted, career-driven, peer-driven, tradition-standing man that said, no, there is no other way. And then he encounters Jesus and he sees there is another way. Something shifts in his heart. And ultimately, Paul wrote about a third of the New Testament that we read it. So he shifted from this hard-hearted man to have this extreme revelation into a soft-hearted man that loved God and loved people. So much so, he was prepared to go to prison and ultimately die for it. When you encounter Jesus, hard hearts turn soft. When you encounter Jesus where there seems to be no hope, there's suddenly lots of hope. When you encounter Jesus, what always was your stance can be shifted to a different stance. You see, Jesus is the answer to everything, ultimately. I'm definitely preaching better than the response I'm getting. What about Pharaoh? We know the story. Here's Moses, sees a bush that's burning and not being consumed. He's like, that's a bit strange. Goes over to the bush, and then the bush, bush speaks to him. That's even more strange. And the bush says to him, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. He's like, wow. And he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to say to him, let my people Israel go. And we know the story, don't we? So Moses does that. After a bit of to and fro in, he goes there. And he speaks to Pharaoh. What does the text say? Here it is in Exodus 9 and verse 12. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. See, here we have this different scenario. You see, Pharaoh has got, this is how it is. You're my servants, you're my slaves. That's what I need to, to achieve my goals. No way, not to chance. Let them go, you must be joking. Then nothing was going to get through, and he stayed that way. But isn't it interesting when God sees it's never going to change, he can use the hard heart for his purposes anyway. And you see, what he needed actually was for Pharaoh to do exactly that, so that he could show his might and his power and his miracles to his people to stir some faith in them. So if you come up against someone who is hard-hearted and not shifting, just you watch your God use it anyway. Nothing can stand against you when you have Jesus on your side. And you know the story. All these miracles come in and the people get released and it all goes off. But there's another situation where the condition of a man's heart is playing its part in the story. Here's what I wonder. Can I be a bit provoking right now? It's gone very quiet. When we read those stories, we read them from the perspective of we're the ones with the healthy heart. In the story with Pharaoh, we think we're Moses. 
Oh, I'm going there. I'm going there. Oh, hard-hearted person. Oh, Lord, use me to go and steam into that situation. Where is the reality that we're immovable? We've decided we're not going to change. And we think we're all soft when really we're much more like Pharaoh than Moses. I'll leave that hanging there just for a second. I've got a door at the side so I can run at any given point. Where's your heart at? Is it you that needs to soften? Have you decided your stance on X, Y, and Z? Have you decided that you're not going to move? That's what Pharaoh did. What about the woman at the well? Do we think we are Jesus in this situation, reaching out to this poor person who's hardened their heart and been through stuff and we're going in there? When really, we've got hardened hearts because we've been through trauma. We've been through abuse. We've been let down. We've had lack of affirmation. And the outworking of that is we put the barriers up to protect ourselves. And why wouldn't you? But in putting the barriers up, it's doing something in your heart. You can't speak into me. You can't speak into me. You can't speak into me because I'm protecting myself now. And actually, are we more like the woman at the world than we think we are? But here's the key. An encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus breaks down hard hearts and releases life. That is true today as it was then. We need to learn something from these situations because God loves you. And he wants your situations to be turned around for your good. What about Saul? Well, none of us is that bad. But are we so committed to being right with our peers? Are we so committed to our career? Are we so committed to thinking we know what's right and that's the end of it? That we've become hard and not actually sensed it, not realised. And God's coming in and saying, come on, let me speak into that situation. There's more life in you. Can you see this picture I'm building up? Will you be brave enough today to say, Lord, search my heart. Say, Lord, do something in me because I think I'm okay, but show me. It's amazing what God shows you if you're brave enough to ask him. You know, one of the bravest questions I think a spouse can ask the other one, from my perspective as a husband, is to go to my wife and say, am I a good husband? Because I think I'm a good husband. But does my wife think that? And clearly she'd say absolutely yes. But brave questions change things. Do you see what I'm saying? So could you today say, Lord, do something in my heart. Give me a new revelation. Don't let me be so hard to think I've got it all sorted when actually something needs to change. Are you with me, church? All of these people changed their behavior, changed their language because of things that had happened to them and affected their heart. And I like the way the the writer of Proverbs puts this. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever's going on in your heart is going to come out in your language and behavior. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus puts it like this. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can you see that? God is saying it several times through his word. That whatever's going on in here is going to come out here and here. And it's going to change the direction of your life. The condition of your heart is absolutely crucial. Making that question even more important. Lord, do something in my heart. Give me a fresh revelation. 
Let me be soft. Because are we, maybe it's not all of your heart, maybe there's areas of your heart. Maybe you're great with your finances and your health, but your relationships are struggling because of something that happened many years ago that you just closed down and we are not going there. And it becomes hard. But if you allow God to open that up, what relationships could flood into your life? Can you see? So important, the condition of our heart. The powerful truth is that encounters with Jesus change everything. And Jesus is willing. Are you willing? We need to ask ourselves these things. So what's your story? I want to be brave enough to share you a couple of incidences from my life that I know affected my heart at the time. When I played football, um, I got signed by Dagenham, and they're a big club, biggest club I'd played for at the time. And I turned up, and um, the manager had signed me and paid lots of money for me. I was the marquee signing. They'd spent this many, many thousands of pounds signing this young Barry Roberts. And I had my photo in the paper with him, you know, signing the papers and all the rest of it. And they were all, we were all laughs and jokes, and it was great. And I walked into the club, and they've got all these facilities. And the clubs I'd been at previously, you know, you know small bar and the rest of it, this had many different bars all through the club and training facilities and you'd walk in and the kit man had hung your kit out and cleaned your boots for you I thought I was the man this is it this I'm talking about no more cleaning boots all the men in the room went amen it was good but I was a bit overawed I was walking like oh you know getting paid a lot of money here it's not a hobby now it's a job you've got to perform but the same guy who spent all the money for me the same guy who had his smiling photo with me the manager was awful to me. He was horrible. On my very first training session with all my new colleagues, who were very good players, we all stood in a big circle, and he was in the middle and chatting us through what we were going to do through the day. And then out of nowhere, and bearing in mind I'm standing no more than two metres away from the, from the manager, he does this chest pass at me with a football like that, at stomach high. And so what would you do? In that instance, there's no, I just caught it. So like that. Then he went, Barry, give me the ball back. So I rolled it to him, and he picked it up, and he boomed it as far as he could. He went, go and get that. At this level of football, we don't use our hands. That was my first training session. How embarrassing in front of all my new colleagues. There's me, the new kid, running over to go and get a football. I was gutted. What was that doing to my heart? I, didn't, I couldn't see it like that at the time, but what was going on? We would do these drills. Now, I, I was a winger, and they would do these drills where they'd pass the ball out to the wing, you'd touch the ball, and then you'd cross it in, and the centre forward would have to come in and header it or volley it or score the goal. And we'd do it time and time and time and time again. So when you got onto the pitch, you didn't have to think about it. It was just natural to you. Now, if we did 20 crosses, I would do 19 good ones. Right there, and all the lads are great cross, bow, brilliant, yeah, love that, brilliant. Then I'd scuff one, just one. The best players in the world scuff one. I scuffed this one, and what do you think I got? Barry, five laps of the pitch. That's not good enough. Go. And there's me running around the pitch like an absolute mug in front of all my peers. 19 great crosses, one poor one, and I'm getting right mugged off. What's that doing in my heart? What's that doing in my heart? I wonder whether my coach thought he was toughening me up. Well, it certainly did that but it also hardened me up. Because I got to the stage of, shove you, you moron. Steady now. I might not have used that language back then. I didn't like the guy. I didn't really want to play for the guy. I didn't really enjoy that season there. 
I toughened up. You ain't going to touch me. I don't care what you say to me. You, you think you're going to coach me? I know I'm a good player. And I just blanked. Something was going off in my heart to protect myself. And it's okay to protect yourself. Of course you would. But what's it saying about what's going on in here? Because the trouble is you harden up in that area and you suddenly find yourself changing in other areas. At the time, and this is a long time before I met my awesome wife, Sarah, I was going out with a girl. I was actually engaged to be married. And she, her, as a career, she was a model. And she'd go off and she'd have her photos done. And this particular photographer clearly took a shine to her. And um, she'd come home, oh, I've been booked again by, let's call him Pete for sake of argument. Sorry, not this Pete. <laughs> Never did like him. <laughs> so, so photographer Pete has booked my, my ex-fiance for the job. And you're talking lots and lots of money. And um, she'd come, oh, I had a great la, 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 la. And then two weeks later, he'd book her again. And a month later, he'd book her again. It was the same guy. And then he said, oh, do you fancy going out for a bite to eat? After it's a long day, do you fancy having a bite to eat? And of course, gullible as she was, oh, yeah, that'd be great. What's it doing on the inside of me? What would you be thinking? The, the crux happened when she came home and he had bought her a £5,000 Rolex watch. She turned up, look what he's bought me. I'm like, really? What would you be thinking, men? Your model girlfriend turning up with a rolled five grand Rolex watch. I said, you're not allowed to wear it. You will never wear it again. What was it doing in my heart? It wasn't very long before that relationship deteriorated and failed. Hallelujah, because I met Sarah. But I went through a period because all this is happening at a similar time. I'm hardening up because of what's happening in my football world. I'm hardening up because of what's happening in my relationship world. I would strut round the clubs like I was the man. And I probably was. Maybe it wasn't. I laughed too hard. But I'd strut round thinking I was the man trying to prove myself because I was getting torn a strip off at work. I was getting torn a strip off in my relationship. And I thought, shove you. I'll show you. How many people do you know that live in that life? And I bet you know some. The bigger question is, is it you? That you're living a life proving yourself, defending yourself because of things that are going on in your world that are out of your control, but it's changing the condition of your heart. And suddenly you find yourself speaking in a be and behaving in ways that aren't really you. I definitely spoke and behaved in ways that definitely weren't me. But hallelujah, I had brilliant people around me who were able to identify it quickly. In, in our family, in, in the Roberts household, and you'll know my family well, that we had this thing called the hot seat. Have you ever heard of the hot seat? And what it is, is you go, we sat in the front room as it was, and they put a chair in the middle, and you'd sit on it, and the whole family would pray for you. And I promise you, it got hot. And, you know, with a family like ours who are so spiritually gifted, they'd prophesy, they'd see things that you hadn't even told them embarrassing and they pray for you but the great thing is the truth of the stories in the bible were my truth that when i had a fresh encounter with jesus he softened my heart again and he did something on the inside of me and i praise god that he did that for me because when i met sarah she saw a much better version of barry roberts now i'm a work in progress as are you but i'm better than i was I'm better than I was because God is softening my heart and now I can see people, I can see situations much more like he does. 
rather than through the filter of my hurt where I didn't realize it and it wasn't my language but my heart was hardening and I'm going to suggest there are people sat in this room and you've got a hardness of heart and if you actually analyze it you think that is what it is and Jesus is here if you will allow him to say I'm going to do surgery on you today I'm going to shift something in your world. You will see it differently, you will speak it differently, and you will act differently if you'll allow me in. Is there an amen somewhere in the house? I know I'm speaking some truth because it's gone very reflective in the room. Lots of people going, I have this a lot when I preach, and I, I, I take it as encouragement. People come up to me and going, I thought you were just talking to me. And the truth is the person next to you is also thinking that, and the person next to you is also thinking that. And the reason that is is because God's doing something. Yeah. And he's doing it in all of our lives. Amen? What's your story? And where are you at on your heart journey? You know, in the natural, there are various things that can cause hardness of heart. Diet, poor diet. We know that's always in every magazine you want to read. Lack of exercise. And even hereditary conditions. You know, for me, after my football career finished, I was like, well, what do I do? And so I studied and got a degree in health and fitness, and I became a personal trainer for a little while. And I loved it, because I love being part of someone's journey where they come in and they'd want to, I don't know, get stronger or, or lose weight or get fitter or run further or whatever their goal might be. And they'd come to me and we'd do a plan and I'd, I'd walk it out with them. And I loved it. I'd love them seeing them meet their goals over a period of time, and they'd always come in so happy to see me. I love it. In many ways, I feel like it was God setting me up for this. Because I love it when I get to speak into people's lives and you see people changing. I play my little part in that. Love it. Love seeing you guys win. Love seeing the church win. Love seeing people who don't know Jesus coming and meeting Jesus and seeing them win. Love playing my little part in it. So, so cool. But the reality is this. Nearly everyone knows what you should eat. Yeah? Nearly everyone knows roughly how you should exercise, more or less. So why do they need a personal trainer paying all this money? Shall I tell you why? Because it's accountability. Because when you, you go to the gym to meet said personal trainer who you might be paying 30 or 40 or 50 pounds for their time, you're turning up. Whereas if he's not there or she's not there, you might think, mm, yeah, I might skip it this week. And one week becomes two, and two weeks becomes a month, and six months down the line you haven't done it. But so the personal trainer isn't so much about what they're going to teach you. It's about being there for you on the journey to force the issue. And I love that. And I love playing my part in that. I love this prayer that David prays in Psalm 51 verse 10. It says this, Psalm 51 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's a great prayer. Create in me. Do some heart surgery on me. And this is why I refer to the personal trainer a bit. Because God doesn't allow us to go through it on our own. He sent the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He's the helper. In this instance, can I call him the personal trainer? Create in me a clean heart. That's what I want to achieve, God. They come to me, Barry, you know, could you help me gain some muscle? Barry, could you help me run this distance faster? They came to me with a question, and then I'd walk it out with them. Could we go to the Father with a question that says, create in me a clean heart? And then he says, yes, I can, and I'm going to walk it out with you. And it's so, so important that we can do that. He places us in a church family like this. We aren't called to do this life on our own. We've all got our issues. We've all got our things we've wrestled with. But if we could be open enough 
there will be people in this room who would stand with you and say, come on, we're going to win this together. Come on, this time next year, you're going to be having a different life experience. Where this hardness got in, we're going to break it down together. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see you softened. Amen. Come on, come on, church. Someone's got to get excited with me. Clean, soft, and loving hearts is a good goal. But we don't need to do this on, the line, on, on your own. I love this. This is one of my favorite passages. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I'm sure you've heard that. Now, this is how I like to teach it. That word issues there is a Hebrew word, tosayot. Turn to the person to your left and say, tosayot. A bit more vigor, church. Tosayot. I'm really giving you some opportunity to spit in someone's face because there's two T's in that. Tosayot. Tosayot. And what tosayot means is it's a word linked to distance. So what that verse here, read the verse again. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. What that verse means is this. Protect your heart because it will dictate how far you're going to go in life. I love that. You see, now the ante is upped. You see, if, if the condition of my heart is going to dictate where I'm going to be in 10 years' time, I want to be sorting that out now. Because I will see things differently if I don't, I will behave differently if I don't, and I will speak differently if I don't, and therefore my outcomes will be different. So protect your heart. Give me a clean heart, oh God, so that I can go further in life. And that is the Father's heart towards you. So it begs these questions. If the condition of your heart is key to your success, what and who are you allowing to influence you? What are you consistently watching? Because the eyes are the window to the soul. What are you consistently listening to? What are you consistently reading? Because this forms your diet. And whether you realize it or not, it absolutely affects your heart. Because when you watch something and listen to something or a, or a type of thing enough, it gets in you. And we all think we're immune to this stuff, but we're just not. I have, you know, this is going to be very unpopular, but I don't like EastEnders. Sorry, guys. And do you know why I don't like EastEnders? Because I can watch EastEnders for two minutes and there will be a row, a fight and some gossip. There will. And what's that doing when you watch that three times a week? You think it's not influencing me, but then I look at your life and what do I see? Rows, fights and gossip. Oh, it doesn't affect me, Pastor Barry, but have you heard about so-and-so? Do you see it? And we think it's not affecting us, but it is. Now, I'm not saying you, you thus saith the Lord, you can't watch EastEnders. I'm not saying that. If you love it, knock yourself out. But know this, what's influencing you? What's it doing to your heart, which we now know is going to affect how far you go? How badly do you want to watch that program? Or any other given program? That might be a rubbish example, but can you see my thinking? What you are watching consistently, what you are listening to in your music, what you are reading, what is getting into you, it's affecting your heart. Yeah. It just is. And so therefore, we need to think, what am I doing? Should we be pressing more into devotionals? Should we be getting more knowledge and understanding about what God's doing in our time so we can join in better? Should we be forming relationships that promote life and health and faith? 
and pursuing those harder because what's that going to do in your heart? And wouldn't it be great if the church rose up with hearts full of faith? And the way we're going to do that is getting around people who are full of faith and stirring each other up. And yeah, if you want to watch your films, knock yourself out. But what's influencing you most? They're good questions to wrestle with. Hereditary stuff's slightly different. Again, looking at my life, I, I suffer with high blood pressure. Now, I'm the right weight. I'm fit and strong and healthy. I have a glass of wine once in a while, but I don't drink heavy. I don't smoke. I, I don't tick any of the obvious boxes about why I should have high, high, uh, high blood pressure, except my parents have got it, and their parents had it, and their parents had it. It's just in our bloodline. And I don't know why that is, but that's my reality. I take some medication and I'm fine. Don't worry, I'm not going to keel over on you anytime soon. <laughs> but it's just part of my world. And the thing is, when you look at behaviours and spirituality of family, people can say to me, oh yeah, but it's always been like this. We've always had this attitude. We've always been like this with our money. We've always been like this with our relationships. Faith's never been a part of our picture. And you, you go around these cycles and it's just part of who we are, is what we say. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you here in Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. It says this, God speaking this to you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. My God can do that. You see, you might say, oh, it's just been part of my picture. But God says, no, 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 no. You are my family. When you met me, you were adopted in my household. And therefore, you don't have to be dictated to by your natural family. You're in my family now. I'm going to give you a new heart. And what was affecting you once before won't affect you anymore because you're mine. Amen? Amen. Who needs a new heart? Who needs to go back to the Father and say, Lord, just do something inside of me? Because I know I've got attitudes. I know I react poorly. I know I say stuff. And I just want to be a better version of myself. Help me. And then the Holy Spirit will prompt you and walk with you. And you will see change. Can you see this picture I'm building here? Wouldn't it be great if the church became famous for soft, loving hearts? Wouldn't it be great if the church became famous for generosity and humility and acceptance and creativity? Well, those things come out of a soft heart. So this is a good goal. Say, Lord, do something here. And as we all do that together and as we're honest enough with ourselves and with God and with each other and we go on a journey, what could this church look like in a year's time if our goal was pure hearts, clean hearts, Soft hearts. God, just, just break down the hardness that's developed it. It won't even have been your fault. More often than not, things happen to you that are out of your control and you end up hardening up. And it was never your fault. You're not a bad person. But the outworking of it is you're not who you're supposed to be. And God's saying, I'm here. You're my kid and I love you and I have the ability to soften your heart. I've proved it time and time again in my word and I'm the same God today as I was then. And I love you. Are you with me? Let me round it up here. Matthew 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, a soft, clean heart guarantees closeness to God for all eternity. 
because it's a faith relationship between your heart and his. There's that connection and it guarantees something. But I love this. In the now, in this life now, people with soft hearts see God in the day to day and they're blessed. That act of kindness you saw someone do touches you. Wow, that was amazing you did that. And you see God in it. That act of compassion or generosity that you saw someone do and you hear the story and you're like, wow, I see God in that. That display of talent by a young person or an old person. And you're like, wow, that's a God-given talent. You see, when you're soft-hearted, you see God in everything. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We connect with things better. Even the changing of seasons. I know there's people in this room who love photography and love, you know, some love autumn and winter and some love summer. You see the seasons change and it does something in your heart and say, wow, that reminds me of my God. I was chatting with someone yesterday and we were talking about skiing. And I've been skiing three times in my life and without fail, you get to the top of the mountain above the clouds looking down and you cannot help but see the bigness of God. But I believe I see that because he's done something in my heart that softened me. I don't go up there and go, yeah, it's a mountain, you know, it's a cloud. I get up there and I go, wow, thank you, Jesus. What an awesome world we live in. It makes me feel small and yet to you I'm important. I see God in it and I see God in it because he's done something in my heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it leads to questions. Will you allow God to do a work on your heart? Could we play our part and make choices that promote softness of heart? You know, in the natural, hard hearts restrict blood flow. So in the spiritual, have attitudes crept in that is restricting the flow of the blood of Jesus to touch you? And you're crying out for a healing, and you're crying out for God to move in a situation, and you're not seeing it. It's because there's a hardness in there that is just blocking things. Jesus wants you free. Jesus wants you whole. Jesus wants you soft. Jesus wants you to have the experiences in this life that he always planned for you. So are you brave enough to pray that prayer like David? Create in me a clean heart. Do what you've got to do. Because I know it will dictate how far I go in life. Are you hearing me? I'd love to pray for you, church. Would you mind standing? just to close your eyes if, if you're willing just to take a moment everyone having their own thoughts and processes right now take your moment Lord we come to you and we collectively declare create in me a pure heart have your way in me 
Lord, I want to ask on behalf of everyone here that you would highlight to us individually in ways that we understand if any hardness has crept in. We haven't realized it. We haven't seen it that way. But we give you permission, Holy Spirit, our helper, to see, to show us where the hardness is. And we ask, Lord God, that you take us on a journey to soft-heartedness. You are welcome. I just wonder, again, every eye closed, so let's just give people their moment. I just wonder if there's people in this room that have had experiences in your life that as I've been talking, you're like, yeah, that happened to me. That hurt me, that did. What that person said, how that person behaved, how I got left out, how I got pushed aside, that hurt me, that did. And in that moment, you're realizing now that you just let a bit of hardness in. And you're not a bad person, but you're not the whole person Jesus wants you to be. If you relate to that, just be very close. Could you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you. Bless you. Bless you. Wow. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you over there. Bless you at the back. So could you can put your hands down. I'm not going to call you forward. There will be opportunity for prayer at the end if, you, if you, that would be helpful to you. We'll have some people to pray for you. But I'm going to pray for you from the front. Come on, church. There's people responding to this stuff. Let's be corporate. I'll pray the words, but could you join your faith with my faith? Lord, thank you for those amazing, brilliant people that have raised their hands to say, Lord, I recognize something. Some hardness has crept in. Well, Lord, we offer those situations up to you right now. And we say, could you do the heart surgery that only you could do? Could you change me from the inside out? Could we stand on that Ezekiel passage where you say, I'm giving you a new heart and I'm doing it today? Come on, guys, those who raise your hand, you have, you've got choices to make now. Can you forgive that person? Can you let that situation go? Can you, give it, can you lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm giving it to you. It's not mine to carry anymore. You have to make a choice there somewhere. Could you forgive someone who's hurt you? so powerful and you benefit from that so Lord do your work Holy Spirit touch hearts change thought processes bring health and wholeness and softness in Jesus name I pray Amen just before we worship some more I just want to give everyone opportunity to make sure you're right with Jesus I want you to have the opportunity to leave this place knowing deep down that you're at one with the King of Kings maybe you've never given your life to Jesus maybe you did a long time ago and you know you've slipped away well here's an opportunity to get right with Jesus If that's you, just with every eye closed and you're saying, yes, Barry, I want to make sure I'm right with Jesus today. Would you just give me a wave? I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Nice and high so I can see you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a line and then maybe we can all pray it together. Just as people put their lives right with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving me.
today I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You are welcome in my heart to lead me forward. I'm sorry for excluding you, but today I give my heart to you. And all God's people said, Amen. Should we give Father a round of applause for all he's doing? And let's worship.